Welcome to All Stars in Transit, where we talk travel to All Stars, the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Travel is our common passion, and we'd like to share with you our stories, tips, and recommendations. I'm your host, Abby. And this week, our guest is Floy of the SEO team. Welcome to All Stars in Transit, Floy. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. So, Floy, you are from the search engine optimization team. What exactly do you do? So basically, uh, they call us uh, the keyword guys, because as what it says, search engine optimization, we basically optimize keywords for a particular business, line of businesses or products, so that they could rank up and um, boost up into the ranking on Google search, which is, uh, in a technical term, it's Google SERP or the search results page. So let's say you search for the keyword um, shoes, right? Technically, shoes is a very broad term, but Google is going to find a particular business or product um, who are really optimized enough to give what the user is searching for. So um, we want to make sure that we're on top of everything that people are searching for related to all the products that we offer. But before you were in SEO, you've been in AirAsia for quite some time. Can you tell us how you got started here? Oh, um, yes, indeed. Uh, I think it's been more than a decade now. Wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm still happy, you know, definitely enjoying my time in AirAsia. But um, I had humble beginnings. So um, I started in the customer service team. Uh, it's called customer happiness right now. Uh, I prefer it this way. Uh, you know, we're all busy making customers happy. Uh, so, um, yeah, I basically stayed there for more than a decade as well. Honestly, I believe my passion is in customer service. I like providing service. I like um, helping out people and really providing resolutions to the problems, right? And um, hence, I, I lasted for more than 10 years in the team. Fast forward, I took the, the classes and courses that AirAsia Academy was offering. I ended up choosing digital marketing because I feel like it's also, it reflects to my personality, you know. Um, and next thing I know, I'm doing SEO. That's a quite a journey for you. So it's great that mm -hmm. you're still enjoying your everyday and you're still here after all these years and you still look so young. I if know. only there was like a video to this podcast, <laughs> you'd see like how baby face Floyd oh. looks like. I don't know okay. whether it's your Filipino genes. You're also from the Philippines, right? Whereabouts are you from? Uh, yes. So I came from the small city of Clark, Pampanga. It's a um, few kilometers, basically about uh, 200 kilometers uh, up north, um, Manila. And uh, definitely not as busy as Manila, but it can get busier as well. I actually found AirAsia because AirAsia Philippines launched in Clark. And Clark was their very first hub back then. And I think um, I really believe in the saying, things are always meant to happen. And I feel like I'm meant for AirAsia. So we're here to talk about some of your food trips and some nature trips that you've been on. So let's start with one of your favorite food trips. Um, I think if we're going to talk about food trips, um, I got to say that uh, the top of my list would be Taiwan. 
you know. Um, I, I just really fell in love with the country because uh, I usually travel to Taiwan um, once to even three times a year. That's how much I, I, I loved it, right? Um, and I believe a lot of listeners would agree to me if it comes to food trip. And I can really just talk about everything that I love about Taiwan and their food. Yeah. Okay, so what exactly are the things that you love about Taiwan? Um, so basically, aside from the food, I love that it's a perfect partner of nature adventure at the same time. Because I don't know, but a lot of my f- friends who've been to Japan, um, and then when they go to Taiwan, they would tell me that Taiwan looks like Japan, you know? But if you first went to Taiwan and then go to Japan, you would feel like Japan looks like Taiwan, you know? It's, it's, it's very clean, it's very neat, very convenient. And then um, aside from all the hustle and bustle of the city, there's um, like a nature, you know, that's enveloping the whole country. You know, so I feel like they were able to preserve nature at the same time um, while innovating. All right. Is there a particular destination in Taiwan that you would like to pinpoint or highlight? Well, um, you know, just to tell you guys, I'm actually a backpacker. Um, so I love I love um, just jet setting into a place or a country every every weekend you know so on a friday night i usually have a pair of shirt and shorts um and uh, i would fly somewhere and taipei or any destinations in taiwan like kaohsiung are actually uh, some of the places that i always go to and i had this really interesting experience in taipei actually so when i first came there um I don't really go for trips or tours because I'm just all alone. And again, I'm a backpacker, so I'm used to sleeping on airports or train stations <laughs> and um, and really just exploring the whole city by feet, right? So when I first came to Taiwan, I was searching um, on Google what to do and what to see. And um, I came across this, like a, something in the mountain, right? Uh, that was summer then, and um, I, I bought this ticket, like a ticket where you can use unlimited rides on buses and trains. That's how convenient it is for tourists. It's called Yanmingshan, and also there are a lot of other national parks in Taipei, I believe. So I took this bus going to the mountain, took about, I believe, an hour and a half. But the view was amazing because it just keeps going uphill. So at one point, we were at the edge of a mountain and I was so scared because, you know, summer down in Taipei, but up in Yangmingshan, you can really see the clouds. Um, It's becoming foggy and um, it's getting colder, you know. So I wasn't prepared for that. I understood why a lot of people um, go up the mountain to probably cool down uh, from the hot summer. And it's so interesting because I was so surprised it was so hot um, down the city. And then just an hour away, it's already so cold because you're, I think, the elevation, right? And the bus would stop on stopovers. 
and you, you know, I, I don't know where to go. So I just, I just went down and then just walked the whole mountain, got to the national parks and hoping I would get another stop for a bus going back down the city. Basically, I think I hiked up for about two to three hours. I stayed up there. I've met a lot of people along the way. There are trails. There are places where you can take photos, but everything is covered in fog. So um, I think that was interesting. That was one of my interesting experiences in Taiwan. But for you, you only went there for a day trip, correct? Yes, I did. I did. Did you have like a map for it? No, I didn't. That was, um, I think that's the most interesting part when you, you know, when you travel alone or when you just, when you just go with the flow, you know, you get lost. But then at the same time, um, those are memories that I always cherish because they are always stories to tell, like now, you know, and um, it makes me always um, smile when I look back because um, I've had so many, <laughs> so many scenarios and situations where I got lost. But at the same time, I was meant to be there, I guess. So do you really prefer to be a solo traveler? Maybe by this age, <laughs> uh, I would probably have a different answer. But um, the 20-year-old me would always say I would always prefer to travel solo, you know, because um, not that I, I, I want to be alone, but I think when you travel solo, uh, there's just... It's, it's very convenient and very easy. You don't have to worry about other people you're with. Um, taking on a cab, maybe, or probably again, ending up sleeping on train stations <laughs> or airports because uh, there are no more buses going to the city and so on. Um, and, you know, you only have yourself to worry about. Has this changed over the years? I suppose, like, age does change the way you travel. Oh, it does. It does. Um, tell me about it. <laughs> well, um, we're talking about uh, over a decade trips <laughs> that I had. So uh, definitely by this time, uh, I, I would prefer the easy way already, you know, more comfortable. Um, yeah, I... I don't think I could backpack as, as much as I did before, but it's always an adventure I would always look back on. But yeah, this time I would probably book nicer hotels <laughs> and, um, and stay in, yeah, and stay in, not hostels anymore. Yeah. Can you think of a recent adventure that you had? Um, because I haven't traveled so much. And back in the Philippines, uh, I lived overseas uh, most of my life, you know. And uh, during the pandemic, so I had to fly back to the Philippines, back home in Clark. So when things are kind of getting back to normal, um, things are starting to open up. And I realized that I haven't really explored Mount Pinatubo. But that's so close by to you. I know, I know. And I, I haven't even been there, right? So I decided to finally do it, you know? And, um, but this time I was with friends. And that's the reason why. They were inviting. And I realized that, yeah, you know, it's probably a good idea to do. Um, so Clark is known for also hiking that mountain, right? Uh, it's a volcano, basically. It's an active volcano. It is active, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that was uh, an interesting hike, too. Um, not something that I would do again, <laughs> but 
Yeah, because it's 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 a volcano, so everything around it is um, lahar, right? And um, it's been technically everything that you'd see, the dust, all of the mountains are the way of lava before, right? Um, so yeah, like while hiking, there's so much stones, it's pretty hard to hike for me because I'm so used to flat, you know, flat trails and stuff like that. So it's been so challenging. Yeah. But fun, uh, especially when we got up to the crater, that was, um, one of the moments I would always remember because I didn't realize that was the very first time I've seen a crater of a volcano and it was so huge. But it's so relaxed. It was so relaxed that I felt like something deep down is sleeping. Like like a Loch Ness monster, you know? But but yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I didn't I didn't expect it to be like that really. I have to say that the crater lake of Mount Pinatubo, it's it's actually quite pretty. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're right, it is very serene. It's a lot of gray rocks and like moon-like landscape Mm -hmm. i would say right and there are like rivers that you had to cross um so you basically going to be in in a jeepney or yeah like a pachero kind of car but there's just up to a certain point that they could you know bring you and then you start your hike but i think it was even more interesting while hiking up and down we saw a lot of the local indigenous people the aitas um so we saw them you know living their lives the kids were so fun they're happy very simple life And then the parents are actually basically washing their clothes in the river and so on. So we took photos with them. And surprisingly, they're very, you know, entertaining. Um, They even speak English. So that was cool. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because, of course, like the volcanic eruption did displace a lot of people and also changed the landscape so much. It must have affected their livelihood, especially if they are in more of like a forager or hunter-gatherer kind of lifestyle um, as a tribe, and then it will change their lives forever. But hopefully they have enough support from um, the communities around and also like the people who also visit because it's a lot of the businesses there are based on tourism now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yes, it helps a lot that um, tourists are, you know, um, doing it hiking the mountain because indirectly they are helping out these people and um, also it brings jobs to a lot of people right so yeah if you've just joined us you're listening to all stars in transit where we talk to the people working behind the scenes at air asia my name is abby and today i'm speaking to floy of the seo team Since you're from the Philippines, I would like to ask your favorite destinations in the Philippines. Can you tell me about that? Oh, yes. Uh, I think that's um, that's a great question. Well, uh, Philippines is uh, known for great beaches, right? And, um, you know, I've been to a lot of beaches in Southeast Asia. And, well, obviously, I'm a beach person. I like hanging out in the beach. But I don't know how to swim. So most of the time, I just stay on the shore. I reflect about my life. I become grateful, but I don't really swim, right? So it's, it's funny, but I think it's one way for me to relax. 
right? And if you gotta ask, yes, my favorite's gotta be Borake Island. Um, I'm not being biased. It's on top of the list. And after that, you know, the Gili, Trawangan of Lombok, and then Phuket, and so on. But Borake uh, left a special mark in my heart because it's just maybe because it's home at the same time. The beach and the things that you could do are just so incomparable. Yes, for me, yeah. Can you tell me about some of those incomparable things that you mentioned? <laughs> well, I think this is interesting. So during the pandemic, right, um, when it was slightly opening up, you know, we're, we're all stuck at home and um, basically bored to death. So uh, I decided to go to Barake. You know, um, it was so it was so inconvenient back then. But I told myself, um, yeah, I'll just do this um, and see because I might as well go through the inconvenience and get to the island, then just stay at home again. Right. So I, I applied for this um, COVID tests and all that, all the certifications and documentations before you can travel, all those whatnots. And finally, um, when I got there, the island was actually literally dead because <laughs> it was there. There are still curfew. The super fun island I was expecting was unfortunately sleeping, you know. So when I got there, there's very few tourists. It's very quiet. It made it even more serene, actually. So I don't know if if the pandemic did it good, so the island somehow rehabilitated, I guess. And um, it's, it's clean, it's neat, it's not crowded like how it's used to be. And um, at night, uh, by 6 p.m., there's a curfew. And they don't want you going near the beach or they want people to basically go back to the hotel. So um, that that was that was disappointing for me, I guess, because I was really looking at, you know, um, sitting by the beach and the bar and listening to reggae music, maybe having a beer. Uh, it did happen, but um, good thing hotels were cheap back then. So I had a really nice hotel. That is probably like, a good thing about the pandemic that it allowed mm. islands to heal themselves and prepare themselves for another like bout of Wait, tourists yeah. and there's always that danger of over tourism and that is why also like there have been programs to like temporarily stop tourism to islands so this is like a good sign i mean it was possibly good for you as well even Correct. though it wasn't such a party island <laughs> yes 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 and I think for me, right, um, I feel lucky that I've seen the island that way. Again, it's another story for me to tell. I feel like um, it was it was its time to somehow have its um, long overdue break, you know. So tourists are still allowed, but regulated. Very few are allowed. I, I felt like the island had a time to breathe. So that was awesome. And maybe that was the time that introvert people <laughs> would travel to, you know, islands like that in order for them to experience it in a serene and quiet way. Since you are a beach person, can you give me like some of your top beaches? So apart from Boracay, of course, are there other beaches that you can recommend? 
Uh, yeah, uh, but of course, only the ones that I've been to. <laughs> Yes, so Barake is on top, and then second, I would say that Gili Trawangan Island in Lombok is second. Um, it's actually something similar to Barake, but of course, the adventure and the experience would always be different. I love my, you know, topless bikes around the island there, and um, the party is also amazing. There are movies in front of the beach, and there's a lot of things to do, even if it's just a small island. So I loved it, and the food is also awesome. So, yeah, that comes to second, and then third, I would say, would be. Kofifi Island in Thailand. Um, it's gotta be. Honestly, these are all incomparable to each other because they offer unique views and landscapes and a lot of seascapes, you know, that you could do as well as the water activities too. What is Kofifi uh, famous for? Kofifi, basically, I believe it's in the Andaman Sea. Mostly, it's famous for full moon parties, I believe. I see. So I guess that would be your thing. <laughs> well, I tried it once. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty, but I'm not a party person anymore. <laughs> yeah, but full moon parties are sick. <laughs> they are basic. Do you have any like near misses or unfortunate incidents almost happened to you or actually happened to you? in your trips? I mean, as a solo adventurer, these are the risks that you take, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Actually, I, I had tons. <laughs> um, but I think the funny one is one of my trip to Lombok, going to the island of Gili Trawangan. So yeah, like I mentioned before, on a Friday night, I usually just look at what flights are leaving in the next two hours after my shift at work, and then, you know, I run to the gate. That time, I was... I was really meaning to go to Lombok because I haven't been. And um, what I usually do is I don't even search for this, the place, you know. I just hear about it from friends. They say it's fun and then I would go. Um, and most of the time, I would just book my stay uh, when I arrive at the, at the airport. So I don't know anything. So um, I was rushing. Um, I went to the gate. And when I get to the gate, usually there's about 30 minutes to an hour wait before the flight takes off. That's the time I would like search the things you could do in your destination, right? So I search everything, you know, and that they, they I read that I should stay in the Gili Chawangan. That's the most fun island and so on. So then I decided to book a stay there. And I also searched how to go from the airport to my hostel. And everything was so easy, you know? But the flight leaves like about 8 p.m., I guess. And that's about three to four hours flight. So when I arrive at the airport, honestly, before that, there's a lot of locals in, in the flight. And um, my seatmate keeps telling me to be careful. Um, she doesn't speak English so much, but she keeps saying that word. And I got creeped out, right? I was like, yeah, I'm careful, but I don't know what she really means. So when we arrived, that was almost 11. Uh, not a lot of people speak English. So I tried to ask for where the bus was, you know, and they were all shocked. So I was like, what's going on? And good thing, one of um, like a travel agent 
in the airport approached me and said, do you need help? I'm here to help, you know? And I was like, okay. I said, I'm just looking for the bus going to this island. And they said, oh, sir, sorry, you're, you're too late because the bus are only in the mornings. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to end up sleeping at the airport. And the airport was already so quiet. I think everybody knew that, <laughs> that, you know, the only way to go is taxis. And for a backpacker like me, I don't really go for taxis because I think they're expensive, right? Um, so this, um, this lady at the travel agent uh, table told me that she could help me, but I need to book a hostel at the pier because from the pier, then I could take a boat to the island. So the Gili Trawangan Island. And I didn't know that Trawangan is an island, actually. So I, I knew nothing about where I'm going, right? So um, I was like, oh, uh, so these, these are the scenarios where I don't know if I regret the things I'm doing in life, but I, I, I was there already, right? So then... I said, I don't have any internet connection. And she was nice enough to hotspot me, you know? But then she said, but you're gonna have to book a taxi with me. <laughs> so, um, so I had no other choice. Um, I said yes, even if the price was five times higher, I just needed to get to, to where I'm supposed to be, all right? Um, yeah, I booked this hostel. Luckily, I was all alone there uh, because I think everybody's in the island. So I was all alone in the hostel, and then um, it was very nice. You know, it, it's got a pool, there's a live band, you know, there are uh, probably one or two people drinking um, and so on. So, you know, I, I threw my stuff away and went out, had dinner, um, had the local beer bintang, you know, and then listening to the live band, it was fun. And um, I booked that hostel for a night, um, pretty cheap, probably five bucks, I guess. And it has free breakfast. So I was having the breakfast next to the pool. And then after that, I took this horse carriage <laughs> to the pier. It's not so far. It was fun until I get to the island the next day. And then they said, we were waiting for you since last night and you didn't come. I was like, I didn't know that boats and buses are only in the morning. So, yeah, that was that was fun and scary at the same time. Are you still as spontaneous when you travel? Yes. Uh, well, not now anymore. Definitely not now. <laughs> but yeah, I had so much experiences like that. <laughs> Is it like you really prefer to not plan and just be like improvise as you go mm, i always do that i always do that like um i i don't think i really planned all of my trips when i was backpacking so most of the time i would just walk in a hostel and just ask them if they have availability you know and for me i learned this rule from one of our culture team before her name is yvonne <laughs> For some reason, I actually thought that you would yeah. name drop her. Yeah, so like Yvonne definitely influences a lot of a lot of things about life, you know, just to go for it, have fun, and just worry about it later, you know? Um, so one of the things I learned from her is anything within 10 kilometers, I know I could walk it, you know? Uh, because I run for 10 kilometers, what more if I just walk, right? Because you can run it. So that's what I 
do whenever I travel on a backpack. Like usually I would search on Google map how far my hostel is. And if it's within 10 kilometers, I would just walk. And I do that a lot in Bali, actually. Wow, 10 kilometers still takes quite a while. It's quite a distance, but yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but wow, that is like, an incomparable way to actually explore your surroundings because there's so many things that you don't see when you're on a fast-moving uh -huh, vehicle. Very true, yeah. Right. You're really down at grassroots level, on the ground, <laughs> boots on the ground. I know. And at the same time, those street food, you know, you get to try them. And you see, like, um, so like I said, in Bali, I did that. So I've seen a lot of other sightseeings as well, you know, like this big statues in the middle of the street and so on. I was able to take nice photos even because I was just walking. So, yeah. Can you think of other places where walking on the street like was uh, very enlightening for you? It's like what are the nice places to walk in? Oh, um, I think... I've had this trip in Japan, actually. So, you know, Japan, I feel like it's a very quiet uh, country. Yes, it's busy, but when, when you walk through the countryside and so on, it's, it's very, very quiet. So I, I did a trip, a backpacking trip in Tokyo, um, and I didn't really stay in, the, in Tokyo itself because everything is mostly expensive. So I book a hostel um, outskirts of the capital. It's called Takasago. Um, the hostel was pretty neat, but yeah, it's in the countryside. Uh, but of course, you know, um, knowing how convenient Japan is, um, there's train, it was easy to get to the city. What's so special about that place? Um, I think you don't really find so much of hostels in, in Tokyo so much, or not that I know of, or probably that was the cheapest. That's why I stayed there. But luckily, during my stay, there was actually a festival that's happening over the few days, you know, the next few days. And I was able to see that. And then every morning they have this like a local farmer's market. Everything was way cheaper as compared to the prices in Tokyo itself, right? So even if I was planning to go to Tokyo most of my time in the trip, I really found time to explore that city. And it was, I would say that was the most enlightening, you know, walks that I had uh, because they're just so quiet. And I think those were the times where you just want to be thankful and grateful about life, about such privileges that you were able to do. And, um, you know, to the companies such as AirAsia, making it all happen for people like me, right? Um, I'm an adventurer. I'm a very extrovert, as you can see. And um, I think those were the times that, you know, when I, I take a walk in a countryside that's so quiet, I just, I just thank God that I'm able to do things like that, you know, yeah. It's wonderful to be able to reflect as you travel. And those are the times when you normally such big life questions or issues become clearer to you because you have those moments of stillness and uh, you're able to really philosophize about life, if you will. I wish I would have that more. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think we all need 
uh, more of that. Yes, yes. So what's on your travel bucket list now? Um, actually, you know, after, to be honest, after the pandemic, that's uh, when it all changed, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, age is definitely catching up on me. So I feel so old. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely wanted to redo some of them. I wanted to visit Bali this time and do probably a lot more temple um, temple visits because I didn't get to do those when I was backpacking. I was mostly at, at Kuta Beach and really trying to learn how to surf and party all night. You know, I'm missing a lot of the other things. So I wanted to do those. I want to come back. I definitely want to come back to Lombok and um, explore the other things that you could do in Lombok. I heard there's this very beautiful waterfall in Lombok itself, and then come back to the island of Gili. Yeah, so, yeah, those are the things that I really want to do. Do you have any travel tips for new travelers? Um, yeah, wow. Okay, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't expect I would be asked this question, but I think um, uh, to all of the new travelers out there, I suggest you just go for it, have fun, and um, like I said, do it and just worry about things later because um, that's where you actually get to create adventures and really cherish the unexpected moments. And that's our free-spirited and carefree <laughs> yes. Floy for you. So again, thank you so much, Floy for coming over and sharing your experiences with me. Thank you so much for having me again. I had so much fun. And if you picked up a new idea for your next trip, tell a friend about this podcast. And I'm Abby, and this has been All Stars in Transit, where I talk travel with the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Life's a trip. Enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm.